the biggest takeaway for me has been the upside of starting or trying versus the risk of making that shift. Uh, it's it's so encouraging. If anyone is is on the fence or thinking about making that leap, I would just encourage everyone to say, you know, what's the lowest level of effort, lowest cost experiment we can run and and do that because this is truly a moment in time where you're going to compound interest on this decision and you're going to reap the rewards, I think, for, for many, many years to come. And so uh, you have you've, you've had the opportunity now, but it's just now becoming so affordable and so accessible to so many people. Um, you, you've got to try. If you haven't tried it yet, just brainstorm on a whiteboard or a notebook and figure out what could this look like. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. I'm Matt Pierce, host of The Visual Lounge, where we talk about using images and video in the workplace. Today, we're going to be talking about something that's actually really fascinating to me because we make a lot of content. I make a lot of content. But thing is, sometimes content sits out there, it gets a little stale, it gets old. It's like oh, in the current form, it doesn't really work because even formats change. In fact, I've got some F FLV videos or SWF videos, it's flash videos that don't even work anymore. So what do you do when you have that old content? We're going to be talking about Tidwell about repurposing, refreshing, renewing old content. So let's go ahead and jump in. Let me introduce Matt here. Matt Tidwell is a CEO and founder of Nashville-based learning and development company ThinkThrough, bringing years of experience in building award-winning courses and generating seven, eight-figure revenues through training products with global SaaS companies and impact-focused organizations. And, you know, he's just a super nice guy. We're so grateful that he's able to join us. So with that, please help me welcome Matt Tidwell to the Visual Lounge. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on today. Thanks so much. Uh, so glad that you're here, Matt. I, you know, it's interesting. Our, I know our paths have crossed in, in, in IRL, IRL, as the kids would say. Uh, and I'm grateful that we get the chance to, to ch get to chat a little bit, get to know you a little bit more. So we're going to dive right into our questions today, Matt. So you're, you're making, obviously, probably lots of different types of media. I see your videos on LinkedIn. So if anyone isn't following you on LinkedIn, they should go watch those. Those are really good. How, how did you first get started using images and videos? Um, I think my earliest was, uh, was by accident. You know, um, as a kid, I always wanted to make movies. I love going to the movies. That was the thing. I'm a person that would go to the movies by myself. And so, you know, creating stories, creating those images has always been really fascinating, but uh, it wasn't what I actually set out, you know, quote, quote unquote, to do. Um, I actually went to school for music uh, and then went back to school for education, um, was planning to teach school and high school and all that, those sorts of things. Uh, then got into consulting and worked for uh, different consulting firms and did all of that. But then uh, as I was looking for the next step from those consulting firms, I said, how do I take the education and then this, you know, kind of consultative process, software development, all the things I know and love, like, how can I, how can I do this again? And, um, that became think through. And so as soon as we started doing this with, with companies, initially it was, you know, very much traditional, like we're going into a corporate setting and we're doing uh, instructor led training. And I had a really good friend who's an amazing photographer here in Nashville. And he's like, why don't you just record that? And so I, it was just kind of like, I don't know why I never thought of it, being that I love doing that. And he was like, well, I'll just come stand in the back of the room and I'll do some stuff. And from that day forward, he brought a camera. I borrowed it. I rented it from him. 
uh, and that pretty much exploded into us like doing studio work and all sorts of things and commercials and all of that. But it was really just a friend who had literally a little, you know, camcorder from Best Buy that he brought to a training session we were doing. And from that moment, I was hooked. So that, that's awesome. And, and it's amazing, you know, when you hear these, those backstories, like all the things, the, the little thing that happened that set the trajectory of your of the course. That's that's really, really awesome. So, so Matt, as you think about creating, let's take video, for instance, when you're out setting out to make a video, particularly for like, we'll say education or for informing your, informing customers of something, what does success look like for you? How would you define what makes a successful video? Oh man, what a great question. Um, I think there's, there's two things. One is at the viewer level, uh, if I'm a, if I'm consuming the content, I don't want to know that it's been instructionally designed. I don't want to know that it's necessarily training. Mm-hmm. Um, I want it to be so engaging as a viewer um, that I'm just, I'm enjoying literally just having the experience of learning it. Uh, and so I think if I think about the customer experience or the user experience, um, I don't want it to feel like training. And if it does, then we got to get a little bit more creative in the process. Um I know there's some hard and fast rules like this is training or there's compliance and everything's like that. But by and large, if we can make it not feel like they're training, uh, that is a win. And then from a, you know, from a results sort of, you know, ROI or different things like that, I think success with media really is um, you have people coming back for more and more. And media has this really interesting opportunity. Like, of course, products have to be great. Of course, services have to be exceptional. Of course, your mission has to resonate with your audience, but media has a way to kind of like glue all that together and like almost like compounding interest. And so you can really build something really, really special through media. And I think that more than just like how many videos do we need to create this year? Like how do we turn our clients' businesses and our own business, but how do we turn our clients' businesses into that kind of category of one or into that something special uh, through the through the power of media? And I think we... We've been really lucky. We have a track record of doing that in some some pretty high tech industries, and um, so making our clients really that category of one, and I think their customers, the viewers, the watchers, not feeling like they're in another training session, especially in these like emerging tech and and kind of future forward skills and things like that. Like, how do we make it just as engaging as as the things that they would watch when they're not at work? So, well, I think th- I think you're bringing up something really interesting here because. Obviously, I mean, there's a, a whole range of things that, you, you, you know, when you're making learning content, there's things like, oh, I just got to get this done or like you mentioned compliance. But it, it, I think what you're saying really speaks to some of the interviews we've done around uh, and with folks who are successful on YouTube, right? Like the, the, the number two category on YouTube that people are, are being successful in and that's growing is how to. It might even, who knows if it's surpassed entertainment at this point. I doubt it. But it's like, the reason people go out and watch those is often they have a need, but two, you don't feel like you're watching education. You're not like I'm having to sit here and, uh, they're droning on about this thing, right? Like it's, they've learned to be engaging. They've learned to be passionate. They've learned to, cause often that's what they're doing there. I'm talking about the thing I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about tech or I'm passionate about video or I'm passionate about my car and fixing these things. And I want to help people. It's, it's like a different kind of, uh, kind of mentality that, you get versus I'm a corporate trainer and I have to make this video and (laughs) I have, yeah, my company wants to be dry and I get some, why they do that. But, (laughs) well, you know, I think for the first time, I don't know, it feels like for the first time ever, right. 
um, things that you're starting to see the shift. And I think we saw it last year and the year before, but like, you know, <laughs> excuse me, YouTube, I think is, is the shining example of how you can have uh, a person, have a, have, have an individual or per personality, even not even maybe the real person, but have a personality that people just fall in love with and they'll literally watch them do anything. I think that's one category of YouTuber, you know, and, um, you know, I'll watch this person walk around New York city or ride their skateboard or whatever that is. But you have another category of, you know, those personalities are, are people, uh, in the media and, you know, it's like, they are the expert. And for the first time ever, you're engaging with them, like in all sorts of just like really natural ways. And I think what's really, really fascinating is not just like we can go on YouTube and watch really smart people talk about really great things and learn tools or software or skills or whatever the thing is, how to fix a sink, whatever it is. Um, but we actually now, now that the world's opening back up, I think when you and I first met, uh, it, it's kind of a mini use case of this experience, but we now are bridging that digital space with in real life, you know, experiences. And I think that connective tissue of like, I have trusted you as a brand and never met you, but now we're truly meeting or you're coming to my company to help solve this problem, or you're the expert I've been listening to for three years I've, as I built this business and now you're coming to work with us. Like that connective tissue, I think is probably like emotionally, you know, I don't know all the marketing speak about it, but there's something really powerful there that we now have with the ease of access with video and other things that I don't know that we've necessarily had, especially not affordably uh, in the past. And so I think really smart teams are picking up on that and they're empowering folks like you and others, right, to really be that champion. And as a result, kind of the meta effect is those customers are not only falling in love with you and how you talk about things and your personality and your energy, but that's translating to their affinity for the products, the services, and the brands. And I think, I think there's some magic there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's all, there's a whole other topic we could probably spend a long time on. Uh, but I want to make sure we get to our topic today. But before we do that, one last question for you here of our first three questions. You're, you're obviously doing video. Your, your setup today looks really great. But what's, what's one tip that you would give the audience to help them improve the image or videos in, in their own work? Hmm. Uh, I would say from a, from the creation standpoint, audio first, more than an image, uh, cause we can listen to things a lot longer than we can watch something that's not perfect. Uh, so I would focus on audio first and then the visual second. That's great advice. We, we echo that advice. We endorse that advice advice. We, we also throw in approval. and for anyone who's watched the show for any amount of time, probably has heard me say this. We always tell people, Mike first investment lights camera and then if you do it in that order you're going to be much more successful i know the camera is so cool it's so <laughs> you want it to look good but trust me that's yep. the right order so i love i love that well matt i want to talk to you today because when when we were communicating back and forth about having you come on the show you said something about that you know you're looking at you're working with clients and you're you're looking at this old content that they have and so why don't you why don't you set the scene for us like Tell us a little bit about what it is that you're doing with this, like, and the ideas you have for this old content, because obviously this is a thing, a company that exists for three years, five years, 10, 20, 30, 35 years, you know, that you get this, the shelf digital or physical 
I've seen some of the physical media before uh, of, of just stuff that it's not necessarily bad, but it doesn't really translate to today. So give us a little background. Yeah. So, you know, the core of our business has been helping folks bring, you know, online training to life for their, for their company. And, and usually I think historically that has been a literal blank page and, you know, that initial workshop with the client where it's like, we want to launch an online training program. Uh, and we've never done this before. And how do we start to do this thing? And, you know, it was going from that moment all the way through, like we have an academy and certifications and all of that. And so I think that's kind of like the full service, you know, picture of that. But there's a subset of that group that has been doing training and has been doing it very successfully. And, you know, we saw this through, you know, recent years and everything, everyone went virtual, all the things, right? Um, but even before that and pandemic aside, they have been massively successful in delivering these high value in-person experiences uh, or high value virtual experiences. And there's kind of that next step. They're like, okay, we need to transition to a hybrid training model, hybrid business model, or, you know, we have all these things happening. We're just not sure how do we make the leap into uh, on-demand only, you know, uh, service. Like how, how do we do that? Will customers find that valuable? Like how do we even like, what do we charge for it? Like all the things that, that companies ask whenever they are saying, well, I'm flying experts to companies around the world to do training, or we have this amazing product and we're training customers around the world on it or any of those sorts of things. They're like, but if we go online, how do we make it valuable? Is it going to be valuable? Like, what is that? And so we've really started to focus on trying to remove the, um, you know, the magnitude of what it's going to be like to make that transition to on-demand. And I think kind of the gateway to that, that we've started to find with a lot of people, there's familiarity, there's comfort. It doesn't feel like a whole brand new scary thing to start to launch. And that is bridging your current state, you know, live training events and reimagining them. And so, you know, everybody has to have a framework or something like that. And We've, we've explored different names right now. We just call it your, you know, your ILT conversion engine is what we call it, but it's really, you know, saying you have amazing talent, you have experts, you're providing these world-class experiences and conferences and trade shows and all the things that you're doing. How do we take that? And instead of that being just a moment in time, how do we use the four, you know, our four kind of tools in our tool belt, written word, um, video content audio content or digital experiences? How do we take those four tools and really give shelf life to these, you know, these magical moments, these high value, high IP moments uh, so that you can make a dent in the internet and you can start to fulfill your mission uh, on demand uh, and build some scale. So that's really, I think where we're starting to really niche down this year is not necessarily like, okay, we're building something completely new, but we're really working with folks who've been doing it successfully live or virtual live and completely reimagining that into their on-demand experience without it feeling like it's this massive lift, you know? Absolutely. Well, I, well, I, I love that idea because I do think that there are plenty of experiences out there that people are having that pre, you know, let's just call it what it is, pre-pandemic, right? Pre-shutdown, pre-going everyone remote, hybrid, whatever it is, that were, were existing and, and, and successful, right? And that, that information doesn't all of a sudden just go away and be bad necessarily. Things age or whatever, but so I love this idea. And I think, I, I mean, just 
to, to share my experience, one of the things that happened to, to, to us at TechSmith is we, we got to that March like and everything closed and we're like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I was looking at my calendar of all the flights I had to cancel, the appointments, you know, hotels and whatever. And like, we lost all these experiences that we, we were, had been counting on trade shows, you know, there's speaking events and all this. And that's how the visual lounge really came about. Right. It's like, we're like, well, what, what can we share that's valuable to our customers? And we don't can do it in a way that we can not have to be physically present with them. And so I, so I, I love that. And I, I've got to imagine though, as you are talking to to clients and potential customers that there's got to be some hesitation here uh, because all of a sudden you're, you're asking them to make maybe, and maybe they make some videos, but maybe they make no videos, but you might be asking them to make videos. And if I know anything about people, it's like video is scary. If you're not into the world of video, if you're in the world of video, you're like, yeah, I'll make a video every day of the week, which I do. Right. Like, but I'm guessing some of these companies are like, or even the, the people who you're going to ask maybe to be on camera are like, mm, I don't do that. I do. I'll, I can do live, but I can't uh, put me on camera. So what do you, what do you, how do you help them with that kind of notion of that? Like, Cause I, I also imagine there's concerns like, oh no, this is going to be ingrained. What if it's wrong? What if, you know, <laughs> like all the challenges that come with something being more of a, you know, not in the moment, it's a more permanent media. Yeah. You know, in, um, one of the things that we we like to do first is because you're spot on. There are uh, amazing facilitators and experts that conduct the live sessions, and they're like, as long as there's an audience, I'm like I'm good. I can I can do the thing. But you put me in a quiet room, quiet on set, slate, go be amazing. You know, like that's hard for anybody to do, right? So it there there's that barrier, and you have to build some comfortability. And I don't know if that's a word. You have to build some comfort with that. And um, so, I mean, there's there's a couple of different ways. One of the, with all the, not to be too tech heavy, but with all the tools that we have at our disposal, one of the things that we can do to help make a business case, like, do we need to actually invest in that? Do we need to, you know, either bring in a production team or do we need to teach our people how to do production or all those decisions that are being made is... You know, with you can take things AI video, you can use AI voiceovers, you can get avatars, you can start to take your your true facilitation, transcribe it, reimagine it, and start to put new life and new faces and voices and things with that, and actually test customer response. And I think that's like really kind of important to do is like before you go all in, like can you get some early validation? And those tools are so accessible that you can easily spin up you know, reimagined micro content, reimagined um, video content for, you know, different channels and things before we ever have to like go produce a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and so I think that's one thing. And then the other thing, we actually did a project here recently, which was so exciting because um, it was that exact problem. We had, we had a subject matter expert that was brilliant. She flies around the world um, doing all sorts of leadership and development and all, all sorts of training. And she had that same thing. She's like, well, I've tried recording. I've done this before. It just falls flat. And one of the things we actually did is we brought an audience into the studio. So, so we literally, we, we, we brought like eight or 10 folks, uh, trusted clients and partners and things like that. We, we had a set build out and everything. It was really fun. And she actually got to teach them in the room, but we used all the tools and tricks and all the things to document that. And that's probably an exceptional use case. But once she saw that she was successful, 
now she's going, okay, what's the next one we're doing? You know, so it's just, it's that first one. And I think there's, there's ways from a business case, like how inexpensively can we test that? And then from a self-confidence, how can we do that? There's, there's all sorts of creative ways to, to get your first one under your belt. So. Yeah. So uh, what I'm curious is as, as you've gone through this process, of course, your clients never get anything wrong because you're guiding them through this. But uh, I'm, I'm curious as, as you watch folks trying to do this, uh, and I imagine someone listening to this at home is saying, okay, I've got stuff I could probably do this with, but I'm going to mess it up. Like what are the, what are the pitfalls along the way in this, taking this, like these experiences and let's just call them that. Cause I know there's a, a million of them that you could, you could potentially translate. But what are the pitfalls going from the experience to this on-demand piece of, of media that you, you see often? Yeah. One of the biggest things is we have, to, we have to take those experiences as though we're the customer. And so figuring out that, like, what's in it for me thing, like, why do I care, uh, is, is really important. And that's actually kind of really hard to do if you're close to the project because you have the context and you have the background knowledge that it takes to, you know, piece all that together. And so if you have a, an ILT session or a virtual live session or something like that, there's all this kind of history in the room. And as you reimagine that, or as you start to record, you know, you say, well, we'll just take that PowerPoint deck and we'll do this, you know, virtual or what, however that happens, you lose the history in the room and you lose that context that's kind of built out of the, out of the slides beyond the presentations. And um, so we have to think about what's in it for me. Like, why am I watching this micro content on LinkedIn? Who would even care? Is that like, are they a buyer yet? Have they purchased our products yet? Or are we educating them about the industry? So it's just figuring out like, where are they in the mix? Mm-hmm. Are they current client? And we're just educating folks on how we're, how we're doing things, how they can grow and how they can do better. Or do they not even know about us? And this is like a first introduction. So it's really kind of like dividing and conquering the purpose of the content and then saying, okay, well, if I've never heard of this solution or this tool, or I don't even know how this problem, why do I care? Is this content even going to actually help? And so being really specific about what's in it for me and, uh, and really like who that viewer, your intended viewer, everybody's going to see it, but who your intended viewer is, who do you want that to resonate with? Um, making sure it has that context. Yeah, it feels like, uh, I mean, from a very marketing heavy side of things, you're looking at the user journey, you're looking at where they are at in that, in that kind of the sales funnel. Like I'm, I'm problem. We got all, I've got all the terms here, right? Problem aware, problem unaware, solution aware, right? You've got all these things and it it makes a lot of sense. So I guess when you're, you're looking at these content, you know, and you think about the experiences, have you come across content, uh, that you're just like, man, this doesn't. Are there things that don't translate well for repurposing? Because, I mean, what I see fundamentally is that, like, there are experiences that we'll have that are, are, are face-to-face human experiences that are really hard to recreate uh, digitally. Like, you know, even, even in this environment, which is pretty good, it's not the same as sitting across from you kind of eye-to-eye having a beverage together or whatever. There's slight, there's nuances to it, slight difference, you know, just even when we first got on, you know, uh, I kept stepping on your toes as you're trying to say something. I'm like, oh, oh gosh, I, you know how it goes. Uh, but so I'm curious, but, you know, you're you're looking at all this different content. Are there things that you're like, you know what? Yeah, this probably needs to stay uh, an in-person experience because it just doesn't translate or it doesn't work or the experience just isn't rich enough to make it justifiable. Absolutely. Um, 
we are like we work because we're in Nashville. There, there's a big healthcare community here, and you know a lot of a lot of digital experiences. Um, I would say do do really really well. You know, you can do a lot of things digitally. Um, it it might be different, right? But it different doesn't mean that it's bad. And so, just kind of understanding those differences in what a digital version of this experience is going to be versus, you know, being on site with someone. But I think there are critical skills that we we haven't yet found the tools yet to do. I think I think VR brings a lot of possibility into the world. Um, it's still for for so many people, it's still a new thing, and it's still like it's uncertain, and it's that next leap of on demand online, all the things. And so, I think there's some hesitancy there, but. I do think there's some really like high risk, you know, kind of critical skills that um, you have to be really, really thoughtful and really above and beyond when you design those digital experiences in order for them to translate well. Um, we're working with a company that does like ECMO uh, care for patients and things, and their training facility has like, you know, full life size, you know, replicas of patients. They have all the machines, they're doing all the things. And you know, people can actually physically see in real time if they turn this knob or this lever, if they do these things or this medicine, you know, they can simulate what the patient would do. And, it, you know, just filming that, you know, just to kind of bring it back, like just to film that wouldn't really be the experience at all. You know, it would be just a recording of that experience. So it's, as you think about, do we translate your live training to something that's digital, you know? They're, they're kind of a special use case, but one that probably many relate to is like we have this this technology or this hardware or this product or this, you know, the patient care thing or whatever this is, um, and we just can't do it digitally. So then you have to think about, well, if I reimagine it into a digital format, because we need to, we need to be on all those channels. If I reimagine it digitally, uh, is there something that's like performance support? Is there is there pre-op things that we can do? Um, is there kind of like, you know, technical support, different things like that. Like, how do we reimagine some of those things? Because at the end of the day, with the video, we're not going to build the muscle memory to save someone's life. Like, we still have to build that muscle memory. And so, um, yeah, I think there are certain use cases where digital, you know, we can't just say, oh, it's a one-to-one. Um, but I think that just brings in the opportunity to say, well, if we have to go digital, because we're going to have to, if we have to go digital, how might we make our digital experience something that we can't do in excuse me, something we can't do in real life. And I think that's where it gets really interesting is figuring out how to use digital to bridge the gaps that you don't have time or you don't have the means to during those ILT sessions. So, no, Well, I, I mean, I absolutely love that, right? Because obviously I, I'm a fan of video, but video is yeah. not the solution. It is not a silver bullet to solve all these problems. But I like, you, you know, you talk about kind of priming, right? I, before I go in to have that experience, what do I need to know? So that way, maybe you're not spending as much time or you can put more, you can get more throughput with people having experiences with the machine because they've, they've been prepped or they've got a Q and A that they can go through, or they've got all these other pieces that the support even like they come together so that when you're in that experience, you can have that experience and it's really tightly focused versus maybe trying to do everything. So I think that's, I mean, that's a great idea. It, well, it is, you know, and I think like the, the medical um, use case there is, is very specific, right? And, but I think at a maybe more universal level, a more tactical level is we, we've all been in, in training and in rooms where there are, um, there are those exceptional moments, right? Where you get Q and A's 
you get really thought-provoking dialogue between participants in the class um, and, and that instructor. And all of that is essentially off script. You know, we, we probably haven't planned that in a manual. We haven't planned that in presentations. Um, it may go above and beyond where we thought our practical activities were. So if we have a lab and folks are doing something hands-on, um, there's all those unique questions and opportunities and moments and things that we, you know, as experts have the background to answer, um, hopefully, or, you know, we bring in someone who has an answer for a client, right? But um, it's, it's not in the book. And so when we go to translate and folks say, like, let's go from ILT to pure on-demand, you know, for lack of a better word, um, you know, here's, here's the stuff. That's only a piece of the total uh, puzzle that we get to translate into these digital experiences. And so things like Q&As, things like uh, case studies, uh, testimonials, we work a lot in law enforcement. And, you know, those uh, men and women have exceptional stories that will never be in a, you know, 101 police officer guide or 101 training guide for a technology that supports law enforcement. And so crafting digital experiences that capture those things, um, you know, those stories, those questions, those answers, those use cases, maybe even creating interactive like documentary or um, short form content that really tells that story, makes your how to do the things, your one-on-one classes, all that even more powerful. And it's not that you're replacing those ILT with, you know, digital experiences, but you're supplementing as much as you can to make those ILT experiences efficient and then really, really powerful. Yeah, I, I love the thought of bringing in like the testimonials and stories that are so rich that you, you know, when you hear them, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, right? That the, I want to watch things where I don't feel like I'm necessarily being trained. The good story that hopefully supports what you're talking about makes that, that really good. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I want to I wanna wrap up here and go into our speed round here in just a second. Thinking about what all, we've talked about a lot of different things. So I'm guessing if someone's listening to this and they're saying, okay, this is interesting. I could do this with my company or, you know, maybe, maybe they just want to hire you straight out. But uh, I, I'm thinking, what advice would you give us if a, a company says, you know, we, we've got the in-house talent to do this. We want to do this. We talked about some of the pitfalls, but what advice would you give to someone to get started, to start making that process of making that transition from kind of stuff that's on the shelf to their, their kind of full digital experience? Yeah, I would say, you know, it, it starts with one thing, right? Um, it doesn't have to be a complete overnight. We've reimagined our entire uh, service offering and our entire curriculum. It, it can very much be baby stepped through the process. Um, but I would encourage everyone to take the opportunity to, to try because you can try without much expense and you can try without... Um, you know, catastrophic failure or anything like that. You can really try. And there's this compounding interest if you if you take the leap and you do go online. The the return can far outweigh, you know, the risk in that your ILT moments are are moments in time that happen and all of that IP and all of that value literally leaves a room. Uh, or leaves a Zoom room or something like that and literally walks away. And there's there's nothing else from that. And so you're immediately on to the next one and you're immediately on to the next one and you're immediately on to the next one. And you're selling those tickets or those seats or those vouchers. And 
you know, you're chasing that next training. But when you start to reimagine that and you start to meet people in different channels and start to do those different things digitally, you build this repository that just compounds and compounds and compounds in value over time. It never becomes less valuable. Um, you know, certainly product training goes out of date. Certainly software videos need to be updated. I get that. But the overall like body of work that you can just start so inexpensively can really become something that's just incredibly valuable. And the amount of effort to flip that switch is so low if you already are doing the training. That's why I think that bridging that ILT to on-demand is a really nice little test experiment for most companies. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to win an Emmy or anything. Like just, just try and get over that, that first hump. And if that's, you know, bringing in some folks, uh, other coworkers into a Zoom room and, and, you know, doing it as live, or if that's going into a studio and having people, or if that's just recording your live session and saying like, hey, we know this, this hotel conference room isn't ideal visually. It's not as, you know, cin cinematic or anything, but at least we've captured it. We've recorded it and documented it. So now we can start our next processes of, you know, transcribing, reimagining, recreating, uh, and repurposing and, and really build that, that library that's going to outlast, you know, um, mo most of us is, is like flying around and doing training and things like that. It's really going to have some, some shelf life. So. Yeah. Uh, so great advice. And I, I, I've got to imagine in that as people are doing this process, they, to think about what, what the translation looks like. It's not a, a you know, it's like what we call localization and, you know, translation is straight, straight. Like I did this in the real life. Now I do it on camera. Versus like, I did this in real life and we're going to take this piece and we, you know what, it's gonna, we're going to break it into 20 videos or we're going to break it into this or that versus just yeah. that straight transcreation, which is an option. It really, like you mentioned the one presenter, right? She felt more comfortable in a room with people and you can definitely do that, but it doesn't have to be that either. Like you, you want to think about what the best delivery is for those experiences. So Matt, this is, this, I, I love thinking about this and it's got me thinking about some things that we've done. Like, how can I do that better? And uh, where, where can we kind of lift and take from what we've done in the past? And, uh, so fantastic advice, but we're going to, we're going to jump into our speed round questions. These are quick questions with quick answers. So here we go. Okay. All right. So I'm going to bring up the dice cam, Matt. We got a 12 sided die here. I've got one in the queue here. I did not roll it yet. So we're going to roll this. Because I've, I've I've redesigned the dice cam view, so it's it's even cooler or something here. So we're gonna roll that uh, first die. Sure. Here we go. It is a three, and look at this. I've added a graphic so we can remember that it's question three. There we go. <laughs> so love it. So so Matt, you uh, obviously have done a number of things in your career. Uh, what's the one thing that you are most proud of in your career so far? Oh my gosh. Um most proud of. I think taking the leap to start think through uh, was something that uh, you know th there is a lot of there's a lot of personal attachment to it, mainly because I didn't have to. I had a really great opportunity, um, and I loved the the company I was working with, and this was just an experiment. And then I didn't necessarily have a, a plan a plan B when I did it, but. Uh, I'm so thankful that it's it's worked out and I, who knows where I'd be if I hadn't. So I think that that's the thing is just taking the, betting on yourself, take the leap for that. 
So that, that's awesome. And good for, good for you for doing that. That's a, a hard thing to do. So it's pretty awesome. But like I said, fast questions, fast answers. So here we go. That yep. is uh, an 11. 11. There we go. All right. Uh, you're getting like, I don't normally get to ask these questions. We're getting some good dice rolls today. So 11 is, what's one resource you think everyone should know about? It could be about videos. It could be about images. Just something that you are always tuning into saying like, hey, this is a, a, a great resource. Oh my gosh. One resource everyone should should watch. Um, gosh, these are hard. You're going to have to edit this space if it's too long. Um, we know it's the visual lounge. Okay. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was, well, I mean, yeah, visual lounge. That's, that's it. Yes. Visual lounge. Uh, first, I, I also really think, um, there's a, there's a, a team that has produced some amazing content. Uh, it's incredibly helpful whether or not you're a customer of theirs or not. Uh, and that is the team called business made simple. I think mm -hmm. there's so many parallels with content they put out for any industry. I have no affiliation with them. I'm just a fan. And uh, if anyone hasn't checked out Business Made Simple, um, regardless of if you're a business leader or not, uh, visually, uh, production value, content, relevance, being helpful before people ever pay you, uh, they're great models to, to check out. Yeah, so Donald Miller, Business Made, he's the founder of yep. Business Made Simple, also does Story Brand. We're, yep. we're, we're fans here. It's, I yep. second that. It's really good. Good information, especially if you are looking at ways to communicate with your customers and other stuff. So I hope someday it would be really cool to get someone from Story Brand Business Made Simple on the visual line. So, hey, we, we got to get Don on here, Matt. We, I don't know how we do it, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> we're, we got to just keep messaging him too. He's, he's can't re resist us anymore. Okay. Last question is a seven. So look at that seven. Oh, oh, this is going to be a tough one, uh, Matt. Just be prepared. If you had to shift careers, Okay. And out of the world of what you're doing now, which is kind of this learning, you know, business creation, which you've kind of, you've kind of done this, you've created your own space, but if you had to shift careers out of something else, what would you do? Uh, you do anything. Yeah. Be an architect. I would love to do that. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, that one, that one was easy because we drive around and look in Nashville and we're like, oh, that, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. So I'm the nerd at the hotel. It's like, look at this sink faucet. Like, I love how stuff's made like that. So architect all the way. Oh, awesome. That that's the 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 kind of the easiest anyone I think has answered that question. So 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 great answers, Matt. And uh, you know, hopefully you don't have to shift to becoming learning to become an architect anytime soon. We're grateful for the information you have. So for people who are listening to say, hey, I'd love to connect with Matt or learn more about what he's doing, where can they find you? Yeah, best channels on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn at it's Matt Tidwell. Uh, and then our company, everything that we produce that's that's out into the world is now going up on YouTube, doing the best to practice what we preach. So you can find us on YouTube at Think Through Co. Think Through Co. Perfect. And we'll go check out Matt's stuff. Uh, with that said, we'd like to end our show with our guests the way we always do, Matt, and give you a chance to give us your final take. Yeah. So I think, Matt, first, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to join you today. I think that the biggest takeaway for me has been the upside of starting or trying versus the risk of making that shift. Uh, it's it's so encouraging. If anyone is is on the fence or thinking about making that leap, I would just encourage everyone to say, you know, what's the lowest level of effort, lowest cost experiment we can run 
and and do that because this is truly a moment in time where you're going to compound interest on this decision and you're going to reap the rewards i think for for many many years to come and so uh, you have you've you've had the opportunity now but it's just now becoming so affordable and so accessible to so many people um You've got to try. If you haven't tried it yet, just brainstorm on a whiteboard or a notebook and figure out what could this look like. So. Fantastic. So you heard it here. Go try. Matt, I want to thank you for joining me here in the Visual Lounge. Hey, thank you, Matt. Thanks so much for letting me be here. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So everybody, go check out Matt Tidwell's LinkedIn stuff. He's got some great videos out there, great insights. He's always sharing stuff. So it's it's really fantastic. He is well worth the follow as well as go and check out his company, his YouTube videos, so much more good things there. So with that said, you know, if you're interested in following other people, you can always follow the Visual Lounge. We've got our podcast out there. It helps us if you subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms or on YouTube. You can go watch the episodes, not just listen to them. And we'd love to hear from you. What do you think? You can email us at thevisuallounge at techsmith.com. We love your feedback, commentary, things that we're doing right. Occasionally things that we're doing wrong, we, we'll take it all. But, you know, what we really hope is that as you walk away from these shows, listening to them, whether you're out driving, you know, on your commute or running or doing whatever you're doing, we hope you take away some inspiration and learn how you can get a little bit better, try some new things using visuals, images, and in that whole world that we live in around us. So with that, we hope you take some time every day to level up and we'll see you soon. 